Chapter Twenty Two of Remodeled Farmhouses by Mary H. Northend. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Chapter Twenty Two The Howland S. Chandler House. When your house is remodeled, be careful what kind of paint you use for both outside and inside finish. A variation from the right tone will mar the whole effect. So much depends on this that one should not copy from houses of today, but turn back to the style of a century ago, so that in this particular, at least, the house shall correspond with the old colonial idea. Few, if any, care to use a weathered exterior, that is, unless the scientifically treated shingles that will soon turn a silver-gray are employed. There are two reasons why your house should be painted. One is that it preserves the wood, and if rightly treated, is fireproof. The second is that it gives the finish a far better appearance than it would have without paint. Every house needs paint of some kind to improve its appearance, whether it be oil paint or stain. There are many different brands found today, and they are of every conceivable color, so that you have a wide range of choice. It is always safe to use one made by a reliable concern or one hand-mixed if both white lead and linseed oil are absolutely pure. There is nothing more variable in quality than paint, and even experts are puzzled at times, and it is necessary to have a chemical analysis in order to determine between good and bad. For exterior use, the proper kind should be a mixture of pure white lead and linseed oil, or pure zinc white and linseed oil. Manufacturers, more especially those of white lead paints, will insist that theirs is the only kind to use, and the zinc paint producers will do likewise, but a reliable dealer or architect will inform you correctly. One of the first colors to be used on any house is white. In all probability there is nothing as durable as this. The reason for it is that the ingredients used have greater wearing qualities than any of the other pigments. There is a complaint that it is apt to yellow with age and become discolored, but in reality it remains unchanged longer than almost any other color. Green blinds secure the best effect, or trellises that relieve the monotony of the white. This the old farmers realized, and it is one of the reasons why it was so much used. If your house is shingled, there are a great many shades of gray that need a white trim, and there is no color that harmonizes with every other as well as this. There are a great many reliable stains for shingles. Do not let the painter mix the stain himself, because that carefully prepared by a manufacturer 
is generally superior both in color and durability in mixing these stains both creosote and oil are used there being on the market today excellent brands of both kinds the repainting of the country house is a necessary evil that recurs periodically we tire of one color as we weary of an old dress and this leads to a different tone of coloring each time for instance the white house is changed possibly to a colonial yellow or a gray and with its new coat it seems to take on a new lease of life the fall of the year is the best time for the painting as the dry october weather is especially suited for good results during the summer months there are insects flying about and too much dust by october the outside has had time to cool after the heat and is in good condition for treatment the time to paint is before the house gets shabby when the paint is powdery or porous it can be tested with either a knife or the finger and if the old paint chips off soaks up water or can be rubbed off like a powder with the finger it no longer protects the wood and needs another coat with this covering of paint wood will last practically forever and as lumber is expensive it is greater economy to keep your house properly painted the cost of painting is a serious problem to many house owners and is never alluded to by an agent when selling a house to the novice it does not occur so eager is he to secure for himself a new home at the end of the second year its freshness is dimmed through exposure to wind and storm and at the end of the third season it is shabby and needs a new covering in attempting to figure the cost it is necessary to ascertain the square feet on the outside any painter has a rule for this making allowances for errors windows and doors are considered as plain surfaces that are to be treated to paint even though only the sills and sides are in need of it good exterior paint costs from three to five dollars a gallon and a painter can put on one hundred square yards in a day for the first coat and seventy-five for the second this gives the house owner a little idea of what it will cost although it is best to make a regular bargain with the architect to cover this expense for interior finish white is always preferable it seems to be the proper treatment for any colonial home to be sure if you are planning for a den a dark color can be used and also a stain for the kitchen part of the house in searching for a farmhouse to be converted into a country home mr howland s chandler of boston chanced upon an old house at needham massachusetts that seemed to meet his requirements it was a square framed house two stories and a half in height 
with a kitchen L at the rear. It was not handsome, but quite ordinary in appearance, and without any unusual exterior features. It was not even a seventeenth-century house, but was built in 1801, and it was in such good condition, and the frame was so sound, that it hardly deserved the term old. The farmhouse fronted the southwest, so that its main rooms were dark, with little sunlight, while the rear was flooded with light and very cheerful. There were delightful views from this part of the house, which overlooked a merry gurgling brook, the mill-pond, and the distant hills. But this idea had not entered the minds of the former owners, who had given little consideration to the subject, and with no forethought had inserted only two small windows, one in the kitchen and the other in a bedroom. Evidently their idea was to sacrifice view to arrangement, for, to their minds, houses should be built parallel to the street and with the best room at the front. The grounds showed little care, but in remodeling a brick-paved terrace was arranged at the left just outside the original parlor. An old-fashioned garden was planted near the kitchen end, and a trellis enclosed the clothes-yard. The grounds in front of the house have been laid out in well-trimmed lawns, while a brick walk now leads from the sidewalk to the house. A feature of the house is a large overhanging elm which affords shade and picturesqueness. Fresh shrubbery has been attractively planted, and vines trained to clamber over latticed work and the trellised porch which is at the front of the house. Dormer windows have been added to the roof, and the simple little farmhouse has been converted into a most attractive all-the-year-round home. In the process of remodeling, the original house was left unchanged, and additions were depended upon for development. A good-sized porch with brick floor and high-backed settles at the side replaced the unattractive old-time entrance, while the dormers relieved the long monotonous roof-line and afforded light to the apartment constructed from the formerly unfinished attic space. Just outside the original parlor, beside the shed space, an addition has been built that runs midway of the shed to the line of the chimney in the parlor, and without a large covered veranda is added. To the kitchen L, an addition of about four feet was made to provide space for a vestibule within the new back door, and also to secure extra space at one side of the room so that a window might be inserted. Due attention was paid to the rear in the matter of windows, and here were laid out the rooms which would be most frequently used. In consequence of the rearrangement, the interior is practically wholly changed. The shed was remodeled into a charming sewing-room that opens at one side on to a veranda, 
and the new addition was combined with the little bedroom and a small portion from the parlor to secure space for a library. This made possible a doorway to the dining room and sewing room, and a broad open space to the living room. The old-time parlor showed two deep closets beside the fireplace. One of these was torn out, a window was inserted in the outer wall, and a seat was built beneath it. The other was made into an opening into the library. This arrangement secured additional light and at the same time permitted a glimpse of the picturesque rear view. In the dining room several alterations were made, resulting in a complete change in shape and size. Oblique walls replace the two rear corners, one containing the doorway leading to the library, and the other affording entrance and furnishing some space for the china closet which was inserted between the dining room and the kitchen. The single window on the southeast was replaced by a semi-octagonal bow recess. This was fitted with small lights of glass and affords space for the grouping of many plants and incidentally adds a touch of distinct picturesqueness. The kitchen received its share of consideration during the process of remodeling, resulting in the substitution of a pleasant, convenient apartment in place of the conspicuous, ill-lighted original one. There was added at the right of the vestibule a built-in refrigerator, and about the side walls of the room newly built-in cupboards were grouped. Two important changes in the body of the house consisted in the enlargement of the cellar, made necessary by the greater space required for the modern heating apparatus, and in the substitution of the original small-paned type of window for the two panes which had been inserted to take the place of the old ones. The entrance hall at the front of the house is a small apartment hung with landscape paper of the colonial period. A staircase with one landing and a half turn in its flight, showing white balusters and mahogany top, leads to the second story. In the lighting the colonial idea is attained by the use of a lantern, while under the stairs is a closet opened by a brass door-pull. At the left is the living room, with dull red hangings, and a white wainscot that provides a fitting background for the wonderful old mahogany found in this room. There are some rare Dutch chairs, sometimes known as Queen Anne, from the opening that is found on either side of the central slat, designed about 1710, and the earliest of that design. There is a refreshing simplicity and a dignified air to this room, brought about in part by the simple colonial fireplace with its steeple-topped andirons, and the well-spaced windows that let plenty of sunlight into the apartment. On the opposite side of the room is the dining room, which is finished with tapestry hanging in dark green, brown, and yellow, 
with a design of pine cones and needles that contrasts prettily with the white wainscot a slight reduction in the height of the window casing affords an opportunity to carry the wallpaper and moldings across the windows and doors thus avoiding the cramped effect of too high window arrangement the original floor has been replaced by a new one and a cheerful atmosphere has been given to the room by opening a semicircular bay up for a small conservatory which can be closed or opened at pleasure by the use of glass doors the library has been finished in dark brown with low bookcases extending around part of the room corresponding in color with the woodwork the hangings are tan color and the furniture is partly colonial and partly modern to meet the demands of a den this is one of the pleasantest rooms in the house having a delightful outlook combined with the sewing-room and living-room opening from it it makes a charming and conveniently arranged interior the kitchen at the rear of the house has been altered with the idea of saving steps this is shown in the numberless closets at the right for flour barrel and other supplies at the left is the kitchen cupboard while the china is in the built-in closet above and the groceries in the drawers below the sink has a shelf underneath to hold the dishpan and drainer the whole color tone including the beamed ceiling is a dark stain with lighter wall finish this house is an interesting example of successful and artistic remodeling the interior and exterior being in harmony and giving the result of a comfortable and attractive home which was secured at much less cost than if an entirely new house had been built the houses described in this book cover but the merest fraction of the homes and summer places evolved from old-fashioned farmhouses they are scattered broadcast through new england sometimes isolated on roads which still retain their country atmosphere sometimes surrounded by the town which has outgrown its early limits and sometimes the center of a large estate each has its individual charm its special beauties but wherever found these remodeled farmhouses testify to the staunchness of early american workmanship and to the appreciation of modern americans for their forefathers handiwork certainly many a one of the latter builded better than he knew end of chapter twenty two End of Remodeled Farmhouses by Mary H. Northend